Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. I'm really excited to speak with you today. Can you go ahead and just introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do at the University of Michigan? I'm delighted to be here. My name is Abigail Dumas, and I'm a medical and cultural anthropologist, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Women's and Gender Studies. I'm also a core faculty member of the Global Feminisms Project, which collects and archives interviews with feminist scholars and activists from around the world. And in what areas does your research focus? So my research focuses broadly on gender, contested illness, infectious disease, and environmental health in the United States. My first book, which came out last September with Duke University Press, is called Divided Bodies, Lyme Disease, Contested Illness, and Evidence-Based Medicine. And it explored uh, the controversy over how to diagnose and treat Lyme disease and what it can tell us about the relationship between contested illness and evidence-based medicine in the US. And I've just begun a second project on long COVID. Fascinating. And you recently wrote an article for The Conversation about Lyme disease and what the Lyme wars can teach us about finding common ground amid the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'd love to have you dive into some of the things that you covered in that piece, but can you start by explaining the controversy over how to diagnose and treat Lyme disease? Definitely. So Lyme's controversy hinges on whether the bacterium that causes Lyme disease, Borrelia burgdorferi, can persist beyond standard antibiotic treatment in the form of what's called chronic Lyme disease. Uh, since it was discovered in Lyme, Connecticut in 1982, disagreement over chronic Lyme disease has resulted in what is often described as Lyme's two camps. On one side of the divide, proponents of Lyme's mainstream standard of care argue that Lyme is easily diagnosed and treated, and they don't recognize the biological basis of chronic Lyme disease or the persistence of active infection beyond standard antibiotic treatment. Mainstream physicians often describe chronic Lyme disease as a medically unexplained illness, uh, which in biomedical practice has often been used interchangeably with somatoform disorder. On the other side of the divide, proponents of the self-described Lyme literate camp argue that diagnostic tests are often unreliable and that chronic Lyme disease should be treated with extended courses of antibiotics. So you compared this to the debate that has been taking place as schools over the past few months have been reopening amid the pandemic and the Delta variant. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yes. You know, on the surface, there doesn't seem to be much in common between Lyme disease and school reopening during COVID. But if you dig deeper, several interesting similarities emerge. First, they are both intensely polarizing issues with little middle ground. You're either on one side or the other. Second, they're complex issues that are a nexus for a range of other controversial issues. While Lyme disease encompasses other controversies such as the Lyme vaccine, geographic distribution of Lyme, and how it's transmitted, school reopening brings together controversies about masks, vaccines, 
and public health responses to COVID more broadly. Third, both issues are perceived to be riddled with medical and scientific uncertainty, which itself produces contestation. And then linked to this is the fact that Lyme and school reopening both nicely demonstrate how individuals on either side of a divisive issue will draw on a range of scientific and medical evidence to both reinforce their stance and then make opposing claims to scientific truth. So in this case, rather than settling differences, engagement with evidence uh, in the case of both Lyme and school reopening reproduces them. What do you think are the most effective ways to have conversations about public health matters such as these and find that common ground? So I think there are a couple important steps. One important first step is to just bring all divided stakeholders to the same table. It took almost 40 years to bring folks from Lyme's two camps together through the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Tick-Borne Disease Working Group. That's really too long. Another important step is finding what I call neutral zones of engagement. So some issues related to Lyme, like prevention, are less controversial than others, like diagnosis and treatment, which are intensely controversial. With school reopening, focusing on less controversial aspects and framing mitigation measures as tools that keep schools open uh, could be one way to foster collaboration. Finally, as I mentioned, issues like Lyme and school reopening are really complex multidimensional problems. And because of this, I think they require multidisciplinary solutions. So to tackle school reopening, partnered action among epidemiologists, virologists, aerosol engineers, occupational and environmental health specialists, pediatricians, infectious disease physicians, educators, and social scientists. It's a, it's a big group, but I think a big group could tackle this. I really think that would help build bridges to common ground. It's been interesting to see how over the past year and a half, disagreement about school reopening has led to a range of accusations of what's often called epistemic trespassing, uh, which is stepping outside of one's area of expertise and um, attendant calls to stay in one's lane. But I think widening the lane to include multiple perspectives um, and building coalitions across lanes could lead to a, a, a more holistic and more complete understanding of school reopening. Thank you. You're a 2021 Public Engagement Faculty Fellow at U of M. Can you share a little bit about what that experience has been like? It has, it's really been a delight. Uh, being a Public Engagement Fellow has been a very rewarding experience working with and getting to know the other fellows has enriched my own work. Um, and I was very grateful to have the opportunity to connect with individuals and also organizations across UM's campus uh, that are doing a range of inspiring engagement projects. I also wanted to take this opportunity to give a shout out to the Engagement Fellowship leadership team. They are immensely talented and thoughtful and compassionate and have really built a wonderful program. Yes, they are fantastic. So I want to ask if you can pick a key takeaway that you want everyone listening to walk away with from this conversation? I think a key takeaway would be that in times of uncertainty and controversy, 
finding patterns and connections across issues can help us make better sense of a range of ideas and experiences. And I, I think whenever possible, finding common ground through differences is better done in real-time dialogue and multi-perspective collaboration. Is there anything else that you want to add or share as a part of this conversation? I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to be part of Michigan Minds. I, I really appreciate it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and sharing all of this very insightful information with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.